disease and stroke claim the life of one woman every 80 seconds, but less than half of women recognize heart disease as their leading cause of death. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Denisa Hagao, a cardiologist at Mercy One North Iowa Medical Center to talk about the unique risk factors and symptoms that women experience. Hi there, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's just get started and tell me just a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do and the the type of women you, you work with and treat. Yes. So I'm non-invasive cardiologist, so a general cardiologist. That's the easiest way to put it. And I started working here after fellowship, which I finished in 2016. So I've been doing as an attending this for uh, six years. And even before, like residency and fellowship, I've been seeing patients, especially women, and I sort of have an idea about what's going on with us, but uh, I need help to fix it. <laughs> so okay, so what, are you, what are you seeing? I'm seeing a, a significant amount of not taking care of ourselves as women. So that's the number one problem. We always have time for someone else. We always take care of our dog, our child, our husband, our house, our colleagues, our in-laws. I could go on and on and forget about ourselves. So that's the biggest problem that we have, that we need to change our mindset and we need to teach our children and our daughters and our sons that it's very important to allocate 30 minutes, an hour in a day to take care of ourselves. That's the number one problem. From here, you derive the delayed presentation. So women die more of a heart attack than men from a few reasons. One very important reason is they present later. They come in later. They always talk themselves out of what's going on and hope it goes away. And they come hours or days later when it's already too late. Even if you intervene, you may be in big trouble. But then if you make it, or many times we won't make it, we die. So the delayed presentation is a part that we need to raise awareness that if something happens suddenly, you have to seek medical attention. We are different. Men are different too. I've seen a lot of trends towards more atypical symptoms in men as well. So I don't want to leave them out of the, out of the, you know, taking care of them, but we are still much more different than men compared to the symptoms we're experiencing during an acute heart attack or an, a pre-heart attack, which is equally as dangerous. So for example, I'm healthy. Let's say I'm 45 years old or 55 years old. I never had a medical problem before and I'm at work. I'm under a lot of stress and all of a sudden I start feeling dizzy out of the blue. I'm just dizzy. I know something's wrong, but I don't know what. I'm dizzy, not feeling well. And maybe I go home. Hope that it goes away. While I go home, I also feel like I'm more sweaty. I just Something's off, but still, I, you know, I, I think I have the flu or something. That can be our first presenting sign of a heart attack. Something that happens suddenly and it's not completely explained, you should seek medical attention. So you said a lot there that I want to yes. kind of unpack yes. with you. My first question, though, that kind of popped in my head is, do you think there's a connection between women 
not taking not taking time to care for themselves and maybe ignoring those first symptoms that might come up and kind of casting them aside and thinking they're something else. So the problem is that two thirds of women that would that have a heart attack will not have any previous signs or symptoms. So that's why you're not used to it. You don't know what this is. You never had this before. But that may be your initial presenting sign. How to figure that out, frankly, is what we call our risk profile. So what are our risks of having a heart event, an acute coronary syndrome or a heart attack event? And the more risk factors you have, the higher your likelihood that that's what it is. So what are some risk factors? What are some things if if women um, listening to this hear you say should make them kind of be a little bit more aware? Yes. So very important. We have what we call traditional risk factors and also risk factors unique to women. The I will start with the traditional ones for our male friends. The traditional risk factors, everybody knows them, but the problem is you know them so well that you start ignoring them. So high blood pressure, for example, that's an important risk factor. And if you will not check your blood pressure, you will not know that you live with high blood pressure even for years, maybe. A second traditional risk factor is smoking. Obviously, everybody knows that, but that increases your risk of a heart attack more than 50%. Another risk factor is the cholesterol number. So if you don't have routine screening, routine blood work once a year or once every couple of years, you will not know that you may have cholesterol three or four times higher than normal, which puts you at risk of having a heart attack or stroke. This you can only see in a blood test. You won't see it. You won't feel it. That's why that that relationship with a primary care provider is so important. I will give you a little bit of easy answer on that part too. But yes, that's very important. If someone is very adamant and not having time and really doesn't want to see a provider, and maybe they're 25 years old, which by the way, they should be screening this in their 20s. It's very simple to do what we call wellness labs. You go into a laboratory, they have a form they give you to check what you want to check out with no order from any provider. And it's not too expensive, so it's fairly affordable. And you can check it with no order and do it for yourself every year if you really don't want to see anybody. But you have to be aware of that and you have to check for that. And once you do that, you add obviously a basic panel to look at the sugar in the blood, make sure you don't have diabetes. That's another traditional risk factor, diabetes or elevated sugar that makes your risk of heart disease many times higher compared to non-diabetics. Inactivity and a pandemic of being overweight and sedentary are significantly increases the risk as well. So these are the traditional risk factors equal for men and women, but women having high blood pressure or women having diabetes are more likely to have a risk of heart attack compared to men. A woman who smokes is more likely to have a heart attack compared to a man who smokes. Why is that? Well, there's lots of studies out there why the differences in, in sex, frankly, there's many explanations, but it's good to know that we are more at risk with the same risk factors than a man. And that includes for obesity. So for example, an obese lady has 64% risk compared to an obese gentleman has 44% risk. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. So knowing our risk factors is important and trying to address them and implement changes in the lifestyle so we 
control those risk factors because frankly there are certain risk factors we cannot control like your family history like your you know genes that you inherit from the ancestors that put you at risk for a heart disease you cannot control those so these are the traditional risk factors we women have non-traditional risk factors one of them is uh, preeclampsia for example can you explain what preeclampsia is just yes. for people who might be unfamiliar yes. with that term so preeclampsia is elevated blood pressure after 22 weeks of gestation. So you're pregnant and you're 24 weeks pregnant, for example, and your blood pressure normally should be roughly 120, the top number. And now your blood pressure is 160. And uh, the diagnosis of preeclampsia requires that they also, you know, check a urine test and you spill protein in the urine. That's the entity of preeclampsia. But to make it easy, frankly, any elevated blood pressure during pregnancy puts you at risk for even 15 years later to have high blood pressure and later heart disease, which is unique to women. Same with high sugar in pregnancy, so gestational diabetes puts you at risk years later after your pregnancy of having diabetes as well as heart disease. Preterm labor before 35 weeks also is associated with heart disease in the future. So I would suggest anybody who has, you know, preterm labor issues, any high blood pressure issues in pregnancy or diabetes in pregnancy, they should definitely maybe even establish care with the cardiologist, see them once a year and uh, along with their primary doctor and sort of try to prevent things from happening in the future. Those are very common things for typically normal healthy women get pregnant yes. and deal with these yes. kinds of complications. Yes. So, you know, what, when they've, when they've got this, this thing that can impact them years and years later, what are some things they could do to um, be a little bit more proactive about their health? Yes. Being uh, more proactive means checking that blood pressure, not just after you deliver then, you know, a month later, you should be checking that regularly and making sure that blood pressure went back to normal. If it did not, unfortunately, the worst thing that you could do is uh, not to address it. Meaning even for a short term, you should take, you know, blood pressure medicine while you're working on your lifestyle as much as you can, obviously with exercise and dietary changes. The fact that you're young, you always think you're invincible and you're ignoring it. And that's the biggest, one of the biggest problems to ignore it and not to screen for it. You have to check it. If it's elevated, you have to talk to someone, see what you should be changing in that moment in time. Is it lack of sleep? Is it you have more stress? Is it you're more inactive? Anything else drives that blood pressure or just simply you have sleep apnea, which is very underdiagnosed. You can have a normal weight and have significant sleep apnea, which people always assume, I know I'm not having it because I sleep well. Well, <laughs> you need a test to see that. You you mentioned pregnancy, which is obviously a life event unique mm -hmm. to women. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. also talk about menopause. Is that something that can impact women's heart health or that can them an elevated risk? Yes. There's two things with menopause. One, women who go into early menopause have been noted to have higher risk of heart disease and also normally going into menopause like at normal age post-menopause then your heart disease risk is elevated because we lose the protective effects of estrogen but early menopause is highly associated with uh, increased risk of cardiovascular disease 
Yes. So you said um, the protectiveness of estrogen. Mm -hmm. What, how does, how do estrogen and your heart kind of relate? How do they work, work together? The estrogen, estrogen helps everything, including the heart, including the blood vessels. So it decreases the inflammation at the uh, blood vessel level. So then you're less likely for your arteries to build up plaque or atherosclerosis and to plug. And you've touched a little bit on this already, but can we talk some about stress and the correlation between <laughs> stress and the heart? And obviously lots of people deal with stress, not just women, but you know, women often take on a lot of extra duties in the mm -hmm. household and while mm -hmm. trying to balance, you know, work and kids and all kinds of things. So how, how can stress impact your heart? Stress is multifactorial impacting your heart. For example, it can increase your blood pressure. Another important thing is that it impacts your sleep pattern. So you're sleep deprived. Another thing that stress can do is increase your risk of depression. So depression has been, by the way, a non-traditional risk factors identified recently that also can cause heart disease. So stress in many ways is one of the worst risk factors that is overlooked. So important things to cope with stress can be reducing your risk. I believe is trying to find time for yourself during the day and combine that time while being active. So for example, trying to just literally take 30 minutes to yourself a day, walking, I cannot say outside in this weather, but walking inside somewhere, or if you are fortunate to have a treadmill or a bicycle and watch some TV, light TV, nothing to um, you know, too stimulating uh, or listen to music or like an audio book, but that time that you take, it helps stress and it helps you keeping active, thus reducing your cardiovascular risk. Yeah, it's doing double duty. Double duty, <laughs> exactly. Well, I know we've talked about a lot of different things. Um, is mm -hmm. there anything when it comes to women <laughs> and heart disease that we still need to talk about? I believe that we should be aware that mortality for women between 30 and 50 years old has increased secondary to heart attacks. Because I feel we're overlooking those women, the working, you know, working women at home, working or working at the job or being taking care of everybody else and then not checking themselves, not checking their blood pressure or blood work or not being aware of their symptoms poor sleep, they present with a heart attack and the mortality in those women uh, has been increasing in the last few years compared to the more elderly women, for example. So it's important to be proactive. Everybody knows what we have to do. We just have to find the ways of trying to do our best with, uh, you know, moving, trying to do our best with eating healthier. It's very hard to just eat healthy all the time but healthier, you know, small steps in taking care of ourselves and educating our offsprings to do that and don't feel guilty about it. That's the biggest thing. You should not feel guilty about it. And I have a secret. I was like many of us very sedentary at work. So when I would go home and after doing homework or something with the children, 
I would want to go a little bit on the treadmill to walk and literally stay active and fit. So one night, my son comes, who's eight years old, and he's like, mommy, can you please play with me? I was like, mommy needs to walk on the treadmill for half an hour because mommy was sitting at the desk all day. And this way, mommy will stay healthy so she can play with you longer and not get sick. And his eyes just open wide and he looked at me he's like okay mommy that's a very good idea and he understood right away so we assume that the kids will be upset that we're not with them 24 7 every second of the day but when you put it in perspective and trying to have them understand that's a healthy thing for you they will they will do the same when they grow up and even now when they're children absolutely like First of all, your son is adorable. And then second of yeah. all, I think, you know, so often as women, we we think it makes us a bad partner or a bad mom or a bad, you know, a bad anything if we take times to take time to ourselves. And I think, you know, that is a really great piece of advice to just have open conversations and, you know, make sure you're taking that time so that you can be around for the people that you love longer. Yes. And this way they also focus on their own health and trying to stay active as well because the kids frankly are very sedentary too so we assume they're in school but they're not they're mostly sitting they in the winter if they come home there's limited activities they can do so incorporating you know for example playtime with a little movement for both is equally as uh, beneficial yeah you can be um you can be a good example to your kids and you can also do something that helps yourself. So, well, Definitely. I appreciate um, your time and I appreciate all the, the great things that you had to say. I think, you know, we we as women, as I think you said at the beginning of the podcast, we've, we've got... We've got a long way to go, but having these kinds of conversations is definitely the first step that needs to happen. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.